0: I did Instagram by myself for 11 years. And so I don't think that you will ever get to a point of even being able to justify or invest in a team until you actually know what it means to build out your own strategy. So I feel that empathetically and sympathetically to be like the the workhorse behind the content solopreneur. I always suggest to do as much as you can, however you can.
1: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I'm joined today by the lovely Jasmine Starr. Jasmine Starr is a photographer and a business strategist who dropped out of law school and became an internationally recognized creative entrepreneur. She's the founder and CEO of Social Curator and the host of The Jasmine Starr Show. Jasmine empowers entrepreneurs to build their brand, market on social media, and use it to create a life that they love. She's been featured in Forbes Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. So hi there, Jasmine welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, it is so great to have you here. I know that between your busy schedule and my very limited schedule, it was a bit of uh, a challenge to get this book, but I am so excited to have you here. Today, I really want to be talking to you about Instagram, especially how you fit it into your schedule because I know that you are a busy woman and I know that I personally sometimes have trouble fitting it in because I've got four kids and I don't spend a lot of time working on my business every week and Instagram, I really see the appeal of it. And I see when I get involved with it and when I spend time on it, how much engagement I can create. And I love how I can talk to my audience there and really start to create conversations. But I have trouble fitting it into my limited schedule. And so I really want to just talk to you today about how you manage to do that because I know you have a lot going on, how you manage it, how much time you actually spend on it, why it's worth it to you, and any secrets that you have for getting the biggest, for having the biggest impact with it with a relatively limited amount of time. So to get started, can you just tell me a little bit about how much time you do spend on Instagram?
0: Well, it depends on the day, but more than anything, it's going to be very important for me to have a plan because I'm not just on Instagram. I am creating YouTube content and Facebook and Instagram and still kicking it on Twitter. I am active on Clubhouse. I really love TikTok. So it's not just isolated on a singular platform. The idea is to create content that could parlay into multiple platforms, but making it feel native to it. So Mm -hmm. if we're to isolate a day like today, well, I have done a lot of batching of content. So for instance, I will set out a few hours every other week to create Small videos for reels that it will also be able to post on TikTok. So today I already had the reel created. I uploaded it. I had very little copy because the reel does all of the copy that is needed. And then the call to action, the CTA, is included in the reel itself. So Actually, posting today, it took me less than 15 minutes, but the content creation part, you know, it's batched largely. And the idea is to create a plan of execution for the week. Then I will denote anywhere from three to four times a day to dive into my direct messages and comments. And that could range anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes in pockets of time. But I believe that engagement is the thing. And engagement comes in multiple ways. It comes by way of responding to comments as well as responding or sending direct messages. I don't look at social media as a means to an end. I look at it solely as a point of connection. And so There's no better person to speak or validate your business idea than you. So I look at Instagram. I look at YouTube. I look at any place that people can have engagement as the front door to my studio on main street. If somebody were to come in, I want to make sure that I'm saying hi. And that's exactly what I do in the comments. So vast majority of my time on social media is driving engagement. So is it always you responding to every comment, every DM, do you get any help with that? I create my content. I respond to all of my direct messages. I respond to comments if I feel like there is like a big day. So for instance, whenever I talk about things that I know are going to be major pressure points, if I take a stance on something and then all of a sudden I notice that there's going to be hundreds of comments, I try my best to connect with them. And sometimes I'll work with my team to say, hey guys, we need to have a little bit of clarity. I can't go through 400 comments in a day. What are we going to do to like divide and conquer? But specifically, I don't feel the pressure to say like, I must respond to every comment. I try my best. But most of the time, if I'm getting help, it's actually for points of clarity to make sure that everybody's on the same page.
1: Hmm. And so you said about 25 minutes, were you saying 25 minutes, three times a day
0: sometimes, or 25 yeah. minutes divided? By no, 25 minutes, 25 minutes, three times a day. Uh, but okay. again, it didn't start that way. This is the yeah. audience that it's fostered. And I want to be very clear that I am not, I'm not saying that it's mandatory or even advisable. I had once heard a description that CEOs are broadly, I mean, loosely and broadly put into three types of categories. You have a, a product-based CEO. This is what like Steve Jobs, who's so concerned with the end result and making sure that the product is unparalleled, that that's where his or her, his for her focus is. Another type of CEO is a people type of CEO. We can think of CEOs like this for like Southwest Airlines. This is about the people, the culture, making sure that everybody's invested in this much bigger vision. And then you have marketing CEOs. So think of somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk. His skill set is marketing. That's where he's going to over-index. I believe of those three types of categories, I am a marketing CEO. I just would like to lead the vision and be knee deep because it also is a derivative of what I do professionally. Inside a social curator, we teach people how to market and brand their business. If I am not a practitioner, y'all better be going to the doors. Like do not take advice from somebody who's not doing the dang thing that they're asking you to do. If I'm actually saying give engagement, be authentic and lead the charge, I better well as do the same thing
1: absolutely so tell me about like your weekly Instagram routine you talked about this like maybe bi-weekly batch content creation period of time Um, and then on a daily basis you are responding you're engaging with the people who are engaging with your content are there any other parts to this daily stories maybe or creating captions things like that Gillian I
0: want to have a point of clarity because I want to make sure that it's very clear as possible we have batch content creating days for different types of content so So every other week, we're batch creating content for TikTok and Instagram Reels. And then I'll have a batch creating day for video content, things that I'm putting out on LinkedIn and YouTube. Um, There's also times where I'm just sitting down and planning the content in of itself. So while it's tempting to say, I work 37 minutes a day on Instagram, there's a lot of things like how then do we draw the points of distinction for how long it took? I would say on average, it takes around 25 minutes to create a piece of content for Reels or TikTok. Now mind you, that's less than 30 seconds. So let's just do some math. 25 minutes, I'm posting three to four TikToks a week. So we're creating about an hour to 75 minutes of creation time for three pieces of content.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How we then take the time to post it and then engage ads to it. So I will say that we batch content for Reels and TikTok. We batch content for Facebook long form videos, YouTube long form videos, and LinkedIn long form videos. And then what I'll do is I'll take a step back, and we like to create pillar pieces of content. So anything like long form content, like a podcast or a blog, we'll take micro pieces of that content, and then that, that will then serve as copy for post on Instagram or post on Insta, on Facebook. The goal for us is to work smarter, not harder. So I know I just spread out a ton of uh, a ton of ideas. So let's like break this down step by step long form piece of content, podcast or blog post. This could then become three to four Facebook or Instagram posts inside of like a blog post. We can have a video, but we want to make sure that we're typing up a blog post. So it's so we are indexing for SEO. And then what we'll do from that is take out micro pieces of content from that video and then edit it for like an IGTV. So long form content into micro pieces of content and then planning it out for the week.
1: So in that process, is it typically, well, I assume always you who's speaking the podcast and then do you have someone else who writes it out for you into the written form?
0: It's a mix. Sometimes I'll write a blog post that we think, oh, wow, we can really turn this blog post into a podcast episode. Oftentimes, if I'm on Clubhouse right now, I'm not really recording a lot of my Clubhouse because we're doing them live in real time. And so what I'll have somebody on the team do is like a copywriter and she's listening to the questions that are being asked and then seeing like the derivative, like the ripple effect. And she's like, Jasmine, this particular topic seems to resonate. Let's have a 15 minute conversation. I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to come up with a piece of content that will turn into a blog post and or a podcast And if it does well on a blog post or podcast, we will then take a micro piece of that and use it as a script for a video. Again, anchor long form pieces of content dependent on engagement, and then use that into other platforms, depending on how it performed.
1: So if someone is thinking about wanting to use Instagram more, as I always am, I feel like, but especially someone who maybe doesn't have a team, they're just a solopreneur working by themselves, and they definitely don't have a lot of time or a lot of em- emotional bandwidth, a lot of brain bandwidth to be spending on the planning process and the execution process. What, where would you recommend
0: they start? so i have to be very clear and say that i did instagram by myself for 11 years and so i don't think that you will ever get to a point of even being able to justify or invest in a team until you actually know what it means to build out your own strategy so I feel that empathetically and sympathetically to be like the, the workhorse behind the content solopreneur. Okay, so I wanna take a big step back and like take a deep breath. Like there is no right way to do Instagram. And if anybody tells you there is a right way, don't listen to them anymore. I always suggest to do as much as you can, however you can. There is a lot of grace and a lot of latitude. So by saying to do as much as you can, maybe you're not doing reels, maybe you're not doing stories, but the idea is on any piece on any platform with an algorithm. So yes, we're talking about Instagram, but even if Instagram is not your jam and you're still kicking it on any platform that has an algorithm like Pinterest, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, the list goes on any platform that has an algorithm, you have something called inventory. Inventory are various pieces of content that is going to be served up to an audience that is most likely to engage with that form of content. So right now, Instagram by far has the most variety of forms of content, stories, Short form video, less than 60 seconds. Long form video, more than a minute, less than 10 minutes. Instagram live that can go up to an hour and then turned into a long form video on Instagram. You have stories, you have reels, you have um, people coming on as guests on a live and you can do one up to four people at a given time. So a lot of ways to test content. Should you be doing all of it? I would love to see you test it but is it mandatory? No, I all I definitely believe that stories are such a palpable way to give people an inside look into your business without the pressure of perfection because stories disappear after 24 hours. This is also a wonderful opportunity for people who have very limited time to test what kind of content is resonating with their audience. I'm a huge fan of this or that polls like yes or no. Like if you are a, a business owner and you make jewelry, put two pieces of your jewelry between this one or that one. And anytime somebody is making an interaction, Voting on a poll, using a slider, answering a quiz, it's indicating to the algorithm that that viewer likes that piece of content in that form. So there's a higher likelihood that the next time the person logs in, that your profile is gonna be over-indexed in the story order. So there's gonna be more likelihood of somebody seeing your stories earlier because they have engaged in your story. And the good news is that any action within the algorithm indicates that that person is interested in your content. So there's a higher likelihood of them actually seeing one of your posts, everything works together. So that means that if somebody follows you, but they haven't really seen your post in a long time, and then they decide to go through and like to post or send you a direct message. Ah, it indicates the algorithm they're interested in. And there's a higher likelihood of them seeing future content. Thank you so much for breaking
1: that down. And you explained it so well, if anyone who is listening, did not fully follow that or doesn't already fully understand how that whole thing works back this up. Listen to it again, because that was a brilliant <laughs> explanation. <laughs> The episode you're currently listening to was originally offered as a live stream inside Startup Society, our training program for digital entrepreneurs. Each week in the program, Gillian teaches a live workshop for startup members, including a teaching segment, like what you're listening to right now, a tutorial segment that demonstrates how to take action on the lesson, and an open Q&A period where Gillian and guest experts work directly with each member. Members also get access to Startup Society's library of business training courses, monthly co-working sessions, and other events, and our private community forum. If you're looking for affordable business training, mentorship, and accountability, then visit startupsociety.com forward slash podcast to learn more about the program and apply to join. Now here's Gillian with the rest of today's episode. So you touched on something really interesting there a minute or so ago when you were talking about how Instagram is now the platform where there are the most different forms of content. I've been noticing that myself as well, both on Instagram and also on YouTube. Now this certainly occurs on other platforms as well. We see a lot of different forms of content on Facebook and on LinkedIn and other platforms as well, but especially on Instagram and YouTube, I've noticed lately that they've just been piling on the additional forms of content with YouTube now adding YouTube shorts and obviously a while back, they added like community posts and we see all these different additional types of content when both of those platforms originally were focused on one form of content, right? YouTube was just long form videos and Instagram was just pictures with some captions. And I think maybe originally there weren't even captions. So I was just curious, what are your thoughts on this with these two main platforms, two of the most popular platforms today piling on all these additional forms of content? Do you think that that's just the way social media is going to have these platforms that are kind of these universal platforms where you can post anything or do you think they're just trying to figure out what really works?
0: They're just following trends. Where do you think this is going? I think it's both. I do. I think it is the future. I do think that social platforms are going to have to iterate. Like I'm so happy we're recording this because I firmly believe that Instagram will by the end of 2021 incorporate some sort of audio only feature to compete with clubhouse. I totally do. They did it with stories and Snapchat. They did it with reels and TikTok, like the writings on the wall. I think that they're going to be adding features according to where the market is. And so what what I saw, I'm first and foremost a practitioner, but I'm also a watcher. I work with thousands of entrepreneurs and I get to see the trends. So what happens is people started complaining. TikTok came around. They're like, please don't make me learn another social platform. And Instagram introduced reels. And then all of a sudden people wash their hands like, "Whoo! I'm abdicated from having to make any other form on any other social platform. In that case, Instagram wins with those users. But then there's users like myself who understand the value of spreading brand awareness. So I am finding it worth it to invest my time on different social platforms so that even when Instagram announces an audio only feature on Instagram, I will still be creating content on Clubhouse because it's a different audience, different consumables. But let me go back and reiterate for the people in the back, I only suggest to do what you can, however you can. You're not on anybody's timeline. There's no rules. If you're like, I only want to pick one platform and stick with it, I think that that's totally awesome. I do see that Clubhouse was one of the very first platforms to introduce badges and monetization in a form of like, well, uh, YouTube too, YouTube as well. But it was so interesting that YouTube has been around for so long. that They were, man- they were um, monetizing by way of pre-roll ads and mid-video ads. And now Clubhouse is just saying, well, hook a brother up hook a sister up, pay money. And I know that they're gonna be working on events on Clubhouse where you could pay to go to an event on Clubhouse. I think that the same thing's gonna happen on YouTube. So I think that the competition is beautiful for us, the users. There are platforms that are trying to make our experience on our preferred platform the best and tailored to what we want. So I'm here for it. I'm happy to see how it iterates, but I do think that in order for people to get seen and known and heard, that it would be in your best interest to try to create on more than one platform. I do.
1: Tell me a little bit more about Clubhouse actually. I haven't used the platform at all yet. So I didn't oh. know that there was a monetization potential
0: there. Tell me just how that works. So it's a new rollout. Not everybody has it. So they've decided to test it on like a swath of creators. They are like when people's, when. Clubhouse first came out in early 2020. There was like a group of people and it was like the wild west. It was rugged. The features looked nothing like it was right now, but those people quickly developed a voice within the community. And so Clubhouse uh, founders decided to extend, I think a few hundred testing this monetization model. So like for instance, I follow a woman by the name of Kat Cole on Clubhouse. She was one of the early adopters. She has 1.3 million followers. And if you go to her profile, it's like a tiny little button that says pay. Now, not everybody, I mean, such few, it's like less than 1% of people have it. But right now, Clubhouse is testing it to see how it works. So if I listen to a powerful Clubhouse and she's brilliant and I'm like, hey, I want to give her $5, like buy a cup of coffee, thank you for this. But when she has a few thousand people listening and people are donating $5, well, then it became a very powerful thing. Although I had a conversation with her earlier today and she said, I'm not doing it for like the five or $10. She's like, overall, I do believe that there's going to be audio only conferences. This is how people are consuming content. Uh, even we know with youtube people turn on youtube and then they leave it going on in the back it's like a video podcast and so i think that the monetization is wildly intriguing i think that clubhouse came out and they openly stated they're going to wait as long as possible to use ads ideally it is a creator driven platform and that's how they monetize
1: interesting so the monetization is kind of similar to how like twitch streamers earn or like super chat on youtube something like that exactly Very interesting, very interesting. And I also saw just from Apple podcast a few days ago, I got an email in my inbox about some changes they were making, including a new option to now they're going to call what we have been calling subscribing to podcasts. They're changing it to be called following a podcast. And now subscribe means pay money to get some premium content. So something similar to Patreon or like members on a YouTube channel, something like that, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Clubhouse is going to be starting testing out those features of subscriptions versus followers as well. So you get premium content. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so interesting. And it makes me really wonder what will happen to advertising revenue models long term. Of course, they're not going to disappear because businesses want to advertise, right? And businesses are willing to pay good money for them. But I'm just
0: curious to see like where it's going. Exactly. Because here's the thing. This is the thing that I find so intriguing. I totally geek out about this stuff. Oftentimes, large creators are represented by an agency or an agent. So they negotiate these certain contracts. And oftentimes there are creators who are bundled together. So let's just say company X says we have a $500,000 ad spend. So this agent goes through and pulls out different recommendations and people are getting paid different amounts and different cuts from whatever the ad is, depending on how many subscribers the engagement rate or things of that nature. How freaking powerful is it going to be that the power is in the creator? The creator gets a hundred percent of whatever they decide to monetize. I think And it's about dang time that companies are going to have to start paying creators what they're worth for so long. People are getting pennies on average. Instagram ad revenue from somebody who is a content creator is one penny per follower, as long as the engagement rate is over 4%. So think about this 200,000 followers and you're going to get paid $2,000 for a post that's freaking highway robbery in my opinion. So, All of a sudden I'm like brown girl power to the people The the market is regulating and the voice is with the creator. This goes back to if you don't have time or emotional bandwidth to create content on say Instagram, YouTube, clubhouse, the idea is you're not doing it just for like kicks and Googles. You're doing it for a much broader opportunity to develop a small local following who would be willing to pay one or two one one or two times a week. Now you have a business model think it's it's a game changer
1: yeah, I think it is so cool that there are so many new monetization options coming out because it really wasn't too long ago at all when the monetization option, aside from physically selling a product, of course, was Google ads. And what you could do is you could have a blog and you could put Google ads oh, on it. That and out. at first, oh, yes. you know, there was some opportunity there, right? There was, I think, some good opportunity when there weren't that many blogs out there and you know businesses wanted to advertise, so the ad rates were pretty high. But now that there are so just so much content out there that an ad can be placed on that has really made a lot more competition essentially for the adverts and people got over like desensitized to the ads I think and clicked less and that drove the price of the adverts down and so that monetization model kind of really got eroded and so for a little while there it was kind of like oh you know kind of this adpocalypse type thing you know a a creator can't earn a living online but now there's so many different opportunities that are just springing up it seems like every day and that is so cool
0: it is so cool but the same thing is going to happen I mean history repeats itself so what happens is like the few people who actually have the pay feature on clubhouse are going to take the lion's share because people are like i'm so excited to pay you five dollars but for every time somebody consumes a video or pays for a badge Or it's like, how much are we actually going to invest? And so you're going to see disparities again, again, between creators who are not living a popular life, like, look how cute I am in a bikini, but like, what value are you giving? Because somebody will pay not for uh, like visual stimulation, they'll actually pay for a transformation. And I feel like we go back to our content and understand a small group of people will pay a certain amount for content that benefits, enlightens, engages, entertains, educates, or helps them. Let's keep our focus there. And I think you're going to be in the game a while.
1: I think you're right. History repeats itself. And yes, the, this will get desensitized again. Like people will get desensitized again and competition is going to surface again. Right. But on the optimistic side, history repeats itself and there's going to be more opportunities over and over again. Right.
0: So Of course. So that's why it's like a particular point of encouragement is learn, be an early adopter. And then the minute you see the writing on the wall for the next iteration, be one of the first early adopters and learn from that as well. Mm -hmm. And if you miss, you know, the ship, if the ship
1: sailed, it wasn't the only ship. There's another ship coming over and over again. So (laughs) So I think it's pretty safe to say going back to Instagram here, I think it's pretty safe to say that you get better than average results on Instagram. What would you attribute
0: that to? I actually don't get better than average results. Like I get oftentimes people ask me, like, Jasmine, you know, for the size of your audience, you're not getting as many likes. Oh, sure. And I'm like, well, yeah, I I get that. But the idea is I do know that there's a lot of people watching, even if they're not commenting. Mm -hmm. Like the analytics don't lie. So I don't necessarily need – I don't need to be popular on Instagram. I need to be profitable and how you actually drive profit is by number one, consistency. And this drives a lot of people crazy because consistency is the easiest thing and the hardest thing. It is just so hard to be consistent. And then also driving community. And by community, it's just a division of a brand. Like when you talk about brand, a brand is what you make somebody feel. A brand is what somebody says about you when you're not in the room. The idea is it's not enough for you to put out content and be like, I'm so great. Look at this content. It's riveting without responding to the people who are walking into your storefront. So making time for consistency, for engagement, and then also thinking about the person who is reading it. Like you have to put yourself in the shoes of your ideal client because oftentimes business owners treat Instagram like a walking billboard or QVC. And then they wonder why aren't people talking back to my post? And I'm like, well, people don't talk back when they're consistently sold to. If you think about what your follower needs and then you give it to them, their first thought should be, wow, this person's a mind reader. How did li- how did he or she know that this was the thing that I wanted to see, I'm struggling with? Then what we do with our content is to solve problems. But in order for us to solve problems, we actually have to know what are the problems of our dream customers. The minute you start creating content that solves problems is the minute you will actually see the needle move in your business as a result of it.
1: So it really is a much bigger picture strategy than just like your Instagram strategy. You have to think much
0: bigger term is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. But then also there's a lot of hope in that. It's like you don't need a booty babe or a car bro to like win on Instagram. Like inside of Social Curator, we see people with less than 2000 followers having six figure businesses. Why? It's not riveting content. It's not I'm vacationing in Belize again. Oh, here are the keys to my Maserati. It's truly let's talk about your problems and how we solve them. People will pay for that. That's the difference. Mic drop, right?
1: <laughs> well, Jasmine, this has been amazing. Before we wrap this up, can you tell the listeners
0: where they can go to find you online? Thank you so much. You can find me on all social platforms at jasminestar, at jasminestar.com and at socialcurator.com. Fantastic. Thank
1: you so much. This Thank has you. been great. Awesome. And Thank yeah, you. I hope that we can have you back again someday. I hope so too. Thank you. All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit startupsociety.com slash podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More, a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.